This past week, Kasha and I had the privilege of showing God's love in a practical way. And uh, the way that we did that was that we um, came together and we said, hey, you know what, what if, what if we have a free garage sale? And uh, so we invited the whole church to come, if you were here last week. Um, people came and word began spreading and we put it on Facebook and it began spreading around. And, and we, the goal of it was just to simply show God's love in a practical way. And so we had these cards, these impact cards. In fact, on the way out today, you're going to receive a pack of five impact cards. You may grab those cards, you may say, well, what are these cards for? The idea is real simple, is go show God's love in practical ways. Whether that's buying someone's meal, whether that's doing an act of kindness, whether that's mowing your neighbor's yard, whether that's... Um, you know, helping somebody out, whatever way you can show God's love in a practical way, and then as you're doing that, hand them the card. So people would come up at the garage sale, and they would get out of their cars, and they would come up, and our driveway is pretty steep, so they would begin walking up, and as they were doing the walk of, you know, like huffing and puffing going up our driveway, I I would pull out the card in my pocket like this, and, and I would walk up, and I would say, hey, how are you? And I would say, hey, today we're just trying to show God's love in a practical way. I'd turn the card around like this so they could see it just like this. And I would say, we're just trying to show God's love in a practical way. I hand them the card, and then I would look at them, and I would say this. Everything today is free. And they would look at me, and they would go, it's free. Everything up here is free The only thing we're asking for back is just the hangers because we borrowed hangers from other people. So we're like, we just need the hangers back. But everything else is is free. And you would see people's eyes light up. Some people got really excited and they knew the good things to grab. In fact, Kasha was on the garage sale uh, of Adrian just this morning. And she's, or not this morning, yesterday. She's like, it's interesting. A lot of the things we gave away for free are actually for sale now. And uh, (laughs) she's like, it's really interesting to see those out there. And I was like, hey, that's Bethany people for you. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It wasn't, it wasn't Bethany people, but, but it was, it was, it was funny because, you know, she was saying that. And I just said, I said, you know, it's all about showing God's love in a practical way. And at first, inside, I was like, what? You can't take something for free. And then, and then inside of my spirit, I was like, hey, listen, if you're an entrepreneur and you're needing funds in your home and we're able to bless you with those funds and, and you're able to do other things, then, then go ahead. Go ahead. Let it be a blessing. Let it be something that, you know, helps provide for your family. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that because showing God's love in a practical way is just simply that. It's just saying whatever way I can make an impact on your life, we want to do that. And so we're encouraging you this week as the fair uh, is here to just go around and do random acts of kindness even at the fair. Even as you're sitting there and maybe you're standing in line for something and the person behind you and the Holy Spirit kind of prompts your heart and you've got that card right there in your pocket and you're sitting there and the Holy Spirit's like, I want you to buy that person's elephant ear behind you. And you're like, oh, all right, all right, I'll buy their elephant ear. And so you, you go over and you just say, hey, I'd love to buy your elephant ear um, as you hear them and say, just trying to show God's love in a practical way. You go like that and then you hand the cash to the person up there and go ahead and do that. People are blown away. We had people crying at our garage sale. Literally, a woman came up and she was just, 
she was crying, and, and Marg uh, Huckel had come and was helping and everything, and Marg, Marg was like, there's a lady out there who wants to meet you, and, 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 and uh, she's really emotional. And then another, uh, we, there was a guy that was with her, and we thought they were together, but they weren't together. And so he's telling me this whole story, and he's like, you know, I, I fix TVs for people who are under, you know, who are struggling and stuff. And so he says, I'll take broken TVs and I fix them. And he goes, this cart would be perfect. And so he's telling us, so sorry, I'm thinking this is this, the same one. And then the lady, she's over here and she's walking around and she just begins crying. And she's like, who does this? Who does this? And, and here's what I thought was really interesting that day was the amount of people that were shocked that this type of stuff would happen. And I started thinking, there's a lot of churches in our area why are people so shocked by generosity? The goal of this is to really create a movement of people to where literally people begin going, oh man, you're going to go into Adrian? That's, that's one of the greatest towns ever. Why? Dude, those people are like the most generous, most like they're always blessing people. How great would it be if people were literally like, they were, they were driving and instead of being attracted to the area by just commerce, they were like, dude, Anytime you're going through that area, just go into a drive through something, order something, chances are someone's going to pay for it. <laughs> what if we just became known for that? How cool would that be? How cool would those moments be? I loved it. Some people were putting things like, man, this is so great, Pastor Brian. And literally people were like, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm like, yes. That's what we want to see is those type of moments happening. Because I think the church should be the most generous place rather than the most stingiest place. We should be the people who are experiencing God's blessing in such a way. Listen, Cindy always comes up here. Cindy was the one who was hosting earlier. She'll always come up here and she'll tell you some crazy story. Yeah, like I had all these doctor bills and all of a sudden, like, like I just called them on the phone. I was talking with them and they're like, oh, they're all wiped away. And you're like, dude, come on. How does that happen for Cindy? Oh, I can tell you how it happens for Cindy. And she'll say God and I say yes, it is God. But I will say this as well. Her and Harry faithfully sow seed financially into what God's doing here in our church consistently. If there's a project that needs someone coming in and backing it, Cindy and Harry are always like, okay, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? Hey, we'll be a part. We'll sow seed. We'll, we'll, we'll walk in obedience. We'll, we'll give above and beyond. They're constantly doing that. So you know why those moments happen is because they live a life like this open-handed, being generous with others. I am telling you, if you will live open-handed and generous lives, you will experience God's blessing in your way, and you'll be able to stand here on stage and say, man, look what God did here, and look what God did there, and look at the anointing that happened in this. People are always like, man, Pastor Brian, you always get these deals. I'm telling you, it's just, has, it's just real simple. Plant seed in the ground, get harvest. Plant seed in the ground, get harvest. I don't know how much easier to tell you God's principle of planting a seed. Now, listen, there are times, though, where the Lord's like, okay, Brian, why are you planting in the ground right now? Are you planting because you desire a harvest, or are you planting because it's obedience? And he really wrestled with me on that, on this whole free garage sale thing. Because I understand planting seed. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to plant some seed, and I'm going to speak a harvest. Because I know that's how it works. It's how God's principles work. But the Lord was checking my heart and saying, Brian, are you doing it because I've asked you to do it? 
or are you doing it because you just want the harvest? So there's two people I need to talk to. One is, if you're not planting seed, then you're not, you can't call harvest in. Okay, so plant seed, call harvest. Some of us, though, you've been planting seed like me for a long time. So make sure that the reason why you're planting seed isn't just so you can keep getting a harvest, okay? That's the second people, because we understand that. I understand that. I've lived it in my whole life. I'm like, you want me to plant seed? Okay, I'll plant seed. So it's this walking in obedience thing that you and I have to understand. There are some of you, you've been serving the Lord a long time. Walk in obedience. Plant seed, and God will bring harvest into your life. That has nothing to do with the message today, so let's jump in. So this week, I was, uh, had the privilege of going to a live music festival. It was, it was a great experience. Antonio uh, and Courtney Hernandez were like, hey, Pastor Brian, we, we want you and Kasha to come to this, to this music festival. Elevation Worship is going to be there, and, and uh, it's going to be awesome. And they said, and we, we got tickets um, so that we could be on stage with Elevation Worship. And, and like literally on the stage... Right there, they're doing, I mean, the drummer is sweating, and the sweat is hitting me in the face, you know, it's like, oh, there's anointing coming, you know. <laughs> Actually, he, he wasn't hitting me, but, but we were close, and, he, and literally that whole moment was unfolding, and we were just worshiping, and it was a little interesting because there was the four of us on the front row, and people could see us from the audience, and there's like thousands of thousands of thousands of people out in this grassy field all out there. And they're all just like sitting there watching. And here's Kasha and I and Courtney. And we're just like, what? We're just worshiping. In fact, someone, someone afterwards asked us, they said, so are you guys with the band? <laughs> and we were like, no. And they were like, oh, you were just worshiping like, like, like you guys were just a part of it. And I was like, well, that's what you do, you know? Like, so we were there and everything. Now, on, on a side note, what was kind of funny was Antonio was like, hey, it's in Canton. Can I just say, anytime someone says to me again, hey, there's a music thing, it's in Canton, my mind thought Canton, Michigan. So I was like, oh, it's like 30 minutes, you know, a little bit, you know, a little bit further away. No, no, they, they, were, they meant Canton, Ohio, which is past Akron, which is three and a half hours away. So we do that, we do the whole thing, king and countries afterwards. We, we leave like around... What was it like around 11:30, something like that, from the music festival, and we got a three and a half hour drive. So we're sitting there in the car. It's 2:30 in the morning. I'm driving back and going down 80 and slapping myself in the face. And and Courtney though, Courtney's in the backseat. Kasha's over here, passed out. Courtney's over there, and she is just talking away. She's just like, and I am so glad she's talking away, because if she was not talking away, Antonio, he's quiet as can be over here. In fact, a few times Antonio starts falling asleep. He's snoring like a freight train in my car. And I'm just like, this is not a good thing. Now, you may be sitting here going, why are you telling us all of this, Pastor Brian? Well, here's, here's what I know. One, it's a funny story. Two, though, anytime I've been in environments where there are worshipers, there's normally a prophetic gift that's present. So someone who has an anointing in worship normally has some type of a prophetic gift that is happening in their life and actually taking place. 
The gift that we're going to talk about today is the prophetic, and, and it's this amazing gift that many times has been given to a worship pastor. It's, it's this worship pastor, like a great mix for a worship pastor is like a strong apostolic and strong prophetic gift mix that's in there. And what happens is, is, is that when they come together and operate together in unity with the church, beautiful, beautiful things happen. But the thing about any gift is, is when a gift is not being used in unison or in unity with the other parts of the body, then it begins to wreak havoc. And we're in this series called Every Follower, and it's this idea that every follower has been given a gift. We talked about apostolic last week and the apostle, and, and talked about that, and this week we're talking about the prophet. And let me just say this with the prophet. This, this is the one gift when not in unity with the church body wreaks the most havoc and does the most damage. When you think about your body, your body has all these various systems, from the immune system to the nervous system to the cardiovascular system to your, to your uh, antioxidant system to your digestive system to your, um, anyways, repro reproductive system. There's another system. I, I couldn't say the word, so there we go. But each one of those systems actually enrich each other. They each counterbalance each other. They correct each other. They work together. When you look at the church and you begin to think about synergy and think about balance and think about the full expression of Jesus actually coming out through the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and teacher, what you have to understand is that they have to work in unison together. But as we've been talking about many times, the primary expression of the lead pastor, the leader of the church body here on the local context, is normally the one gift that becomes the dominant gift inside of the church. And so across the Western church, we've been realizing this, is that shepherd teacher is a primary gift that comes out inside of our churches. But then you see these strong, like you can see churches where there's a strong, the pastor has a strong prophetic gift on their life. And here's what you'll see is, is a pastor who has the gift of prophet on his life, they normally have a very strong worship culture. So think about Bethel music for a moment. Bill Johnson, many of the leaders who are there have a strong apostolic but also strong prophet anointing on the gift set on their life and so they also have a very strong worship culture inside of the church but when imbalance happens things become unhealthy and when unhealth is present it gets carried on from generation to generation but you and I have to remember something that we are better together we're better together each and every one of us are better together I know that was the fill in the blank from last week, and you may go, we have the same one. Yes, I need us to understand that we're better together, that we're better together. In fact, look at your neighbor again and say this, say, we are better together. It's more than just a nice statement, it's the calling of the church. We need each other. We need each other. Now, if I was to have you right now look at your neighbor and say, I need you, some of you are like, that's a little awkward. <laughs> Especially if you didn't turn to your spouse and say it, and you said it to the woman next to you. I need you, as your wife's right here, that would be a little awkward. Because our mind immediately goes to how 
culture defines needing someone. Culture defines needing someone as there's just a, there's like, like we need it. It's almost like this attractive type, I need you. There's this, there's this unhealth that comes in. But in the body of Christ, we need each other. It's not an unhealthy thing. We need others around us, not just our spouse. We need others around us who actually we can work alongside with to accomplish the mission because as followers of Jesus, we've been given a mission. As followers of Jesus, there is a marching orders that have been given to us that we can't accomplish on our own. We need each other. And the quicker we understand that, what will happen is, is we will actually be able to walk in unity and accomplish the things that the Lord has called us to. We're to be examples in our speech, in our actions, in our life of what it means to love one another. The church should be the friendliest place around. People shouldn't walk in and think, will they accept me? Will they not? Will they, well, I'm a little different, this, this, that. They should be like, oh no, dude, that church over there, Bethany, they're the friendliest, most nicest, most welcoming, most encouraging. They love you right where you are. They just encourage you to just take one step. They're not trying to get you from here to there. They're just trying to help you along your journey. Man, they're all about helping marriages get stronger. They're all about helping parents be better parents. They're all about helping people find balance in their finances and in their life. Man, that, that place is the most awesome place. And you really feel like you're needed there, like you're wanted there. When I think about the prophet gifts, Ephesians chapter four says this, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now we've learned that follower of Jesus means minister. So each and every one of us, we're followers of Jesus, and as followers of Jesus, we're ministers. And as a minister, one of these gift mixes that we just said we operate in apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. I loved hearing from people last week. They're like, man, that just totally makes sense. I, I feel like there's an apostolic calling, like there's an apostolic gift in my life. And today I want to focus on prophet, the next one here. But let me just list some words here when I think about prophet. And they all start with C. They all start with C. Now, that's not because it's some magical thing. It's just, I don't know, I just was challenged in my mind as I was working this week to come up with all C words to describe prophet, and I think I did pretty good, so here we go. Prophets challenge, they challenge. Prophets are normally about bringing change. They're about commitment, commitment to God, commitment to each other. Prophets are about confess, this idea of confessing our sins to the Lord, confessing our sins to others. They're all about connecting they're all about the call the idea of the call this idea that you and I are called to something greater than ourselves they're all about this idea of, of carry this idea of carrying the gospel out like there's this they, they carry a burden in themselves they're all about covenant, this idea of covenant and this idea of us going after things together. They're all about custodian, this idea of, of us working together. Like They feel like they're like a custodian for the gospel. There's this idea of compel. They compel people towards the Father. 
There's this idea of correlating things to the Father and saying this is, this is how we see things correlating. There's this idea of communicate. They communicate the heart of the Father. And then there's this idea of a collectiveness, this idea of, of like there's a collective part of bringing people together and, and pointing them towards the Father. All these words describe in many ways the role of the prophet in the church. The church is called to be prophetic. And churches that have that strong worship culture normally have a strong, have a strong prophetic um, leaders inside of the church. See, as God's people, the church, we are actually called to represent Christ in our culture, to take a stand, to revere, to cherish, and to obey what God has called us to. We, the church, we're called to do that. We're called to go after the gospel together, to see God move in an incredible way. And there are two ways today that I want to really focus in on. Uh, when I think about the role of the prophet, uh, that the prophet does. The, the prophet is all about connecting people vertically to God and horizontally to each other. All about connecting people vertically to God and horizontally to each other. Vertical, like when, when you think about a vertical uh, prophetic ministry, it's all about maintaining a constant connection with God and guarding that covenant that he has with his people. In fact, I would say this, vertical uh, prophetic ministry actually exists to do some different things, and we're going to go through those. The first is this, is, is that when you see someone in a church or you see a church that has a strong prophetic calling or a person who has it, these are some things that you'll see in their life. The first thing is this, is you'll see they, they have this heart and this heartbeat towards maintaining God orientation. They're constantly calling people to orient themselves towards the Father. They're, like, they're constantly calling people, hey, hey, remember what God's doing. Remember what God's speaking. Remember that the things of this world, come on, those don't matter. It's your relationship with God. They're constantly calling people towards the Father. When you think about worship, that's really what worship is. Worship is about putting our attention and our focus through songs that we sing and lyrics that we sing to put our attention and focus and orient it towards God. You know why it's important that you're here for worship when the gathering starts in the beginning? Because normally the first song is all about kind of in-tuning your heart towards the Father. It's like, oh yeah, Okay, this week I, I had this happen and this happened. Oh, yeah, on the way in, this happened. Oh, yeah, this happened. And that first song that we, that we normally sing, and the reason a lot of times it's more of an upbeat praise song is because we're trying to get you to activate your mind and your thoughts and your body and everything towards the Father to orient yourself towards God. To say, hey, 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 I know it's been a rough week, but let's put our attention on God. It's this idea of cultivating a God-centeredness through our worship. But can I just encourage you, worship is more than just the songs we sing. Worship is the prayers we pray. It's listening to the Father. It's reading God's word. It's, it's spending time in there. And so throughout the week, you need to be maintaining that God orientation. So a prophet is someone who is constantly always calling people to that. Like, man, I'm reading God's word. I'm listening to God's word. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the Father. You see that inside of people who operate that and churches that operate that way. The second is this, is that they engage and feel what the Father feels. I mean, I've met different people who have the gift of the prophet on their life, and, and I've seen it. 
feel, they feel what the Father feels. They, they, they can, they, it's like they can feel the moment. They, they feel and understand what, what the Father is feeling. There's a brokenness that comes. They, they understand that God feels deeply. When you think about people who are in the worship industry and stuff like that, a lot of times they are, they're more feely. I think of Casey. Casey's a feely type guy. Karis is a feely type guy. Chase back on the bass is, yeah, he's a little feely. Okay, maybe not, but, but normally people in worship, like cultures and stuff, especially a lot of times in the leader, they're, they're like feely. Think about Noel. Noel, like he, he's the guy who's over here. Noel is like, he's, he's a feeler. That's why he's bouncing around every which way. I mean, like he's a feeler. He feels that moment. If you talk with them, you see it inside of him. He's a feeler. People who are connected to the Father's heart begin to feel and engage in that way. See, the Father's passionate. The Father's holy. The, the Father's unshakable. The Father is, is compassionate. They see that. But here's the thing I'll, I'll say, though. Uh, with, with a prophet in a church that has this, this gift that's really operating and they're engaging and feeling what the Father feels, it's not always feeling always just the good things. Sometimes they feel and experience the pain. They experience the grief. They experience the anger. But it's not always just the negative. They do experience the joy and the love and the compassion and the mercy, but then they also experience the, the judgment. They experience a holy discomfort. Like there's just peace inside of them. And can I, so I just say to you, if you're one of those who's like a feeler, this may be something that the Lord has kind of put on your heart. You, like if you're constantly feeling that peace. Another thing is, is, is when you think about this vertical connection with the Lord, it's, it's they encounter God. Prophets are always individuals who are always encountering God. In the Bible, the Bible uses some key metaphors that help us understand this concept of encountering God. And, and, and when you think about someone who has a prophetic gift on their life, normally one of these areas is constantly being used by them. So the first is this, it's their ear. They have this, this receptiveness to hearing the voice of God. They're very, they're very comfortable with hearing the voice of God. They're, they're constantly leaning in and saying, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking in this moment? They're very attentive, and they're even obedient to it, to the place where that obedience actually leads to discomfort in others. I've been around people who are that like, man, I, just, I really felt like the Lord said this. And it's like, well, that, that was okay, all right. I mean, you kind of you wrestle. Other people wrestle through with it a little bit. But it's because for the prophet, when they hear God speak, they're like, I'm doing it. Like, I don't care what anyone else around me thinks. And this is why I'm saying that if it's not in unity with the church body, it becomes destructive. Because the prophet who's out on his own and isn't a part of the other gift mix is out there and he's like, I felt God say this and I just did it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> There's like, like, it's fantastic that you felt like God said that, but remember, there's a whole other church body that's a part of it. See, the gift mix that we're being given by God is actually to allow us to hear from the Lord, yes, but then also the, another side is this, is they have eyes, like the eye, the, the, and think about the eye, they have the spiritual insight into things. A prophet normally is someone who has the spiritual insight into what's going on around them, 
They're constantly attempting to see what God sees. They're trying to see things through the eyes of the Father. They have this holy vision and this imagination. I've talked to prophets before and they're like, oh, did you see it during worship? Like I saw it, like I saw all of this. And I'm like, I did not see that. They're like, oh no, it was there, it was happening. I'm like, that's awesome that you saw that. I did not see that. In fact, I didn't even like worship right now. I'm serious, there have been times where it's been that extreme where literally I'm like, that was not a good worship set. And they're like, oh my goodness, like I saw angels and there was gold dust that was flying down from the sky and it was awesome and like I saw this. I mean, like they see those, they're seeing things as God sees them. When you think about the mouth would be the next metaphor that the Bible uses really. And you see the prophet is constantly proclaiming and speaking on God's behalf. And the challenge many times with the prophet is that many times what they're speaking, the Lord's trying to speak, and, and they're, they're sharing things, and the message is not always well received. Because many times the message is actually calling out things that are going on. They're willing to receive the same rejection even as Christ. They're like, oh, in fact, for a prophet, when you reject them, they're like, oh, yeah, I must be doing what the Lord has actually asked me to do. Because they're like, Jesus was rejected. So if I'm not rejected, that must mean I'm not speaking the things that I'm supposed to do. And what happens, their speech normally tends to be passionate. It tends to be motivational. It tends to be this, this many times like this correctiveness that comes in there. And then you look at the heart. The heart is another thing that really, I think, describes the prophet. They feel what God feels but not only do they feel what God feels, but they also guard the heart of the Father. So they're constantly guarding the heart of the Father. So like when they see something that actually is pulling from the heart of the Father, they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. They go in and they begin to guard the heart of the Father. Like, no, no, that's, that's not the Father's heart there. And so false religion is one of the things that on a prophet's side, they're like, whoa, 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 that, that is not right. That is not the Father's heart. Get out of here, you know, and they... They like start speaking in tongues and casting it out, you know, and you're like, dude, I just brought a different translation of the Bible. That's it. And they're like, no, that is not. Because their heart really is to guard the heart of the Father. Now the horizontal prophet exists to do this. Now this is really where we see this idea of, of relationship with others, with the world around us. So the first ones were all kind of like with the prophet's heart towards the father. This is going to be the prophet's or heart towards each other. They see things as we're in this covenant together. And so what they're constantly doing in this first one is this, is they're reminding people to love one another. They're always like, dude, we need to love each other. We, we need to love one another. We need to love those who are around us. They're reminding people of the instruction of the Lord. Listen, we are called to love each other. The next thing is, is they're constantly calling people to repentance. There's this call of repentance. They're constantly saying to the people around them, listen, repent, turn to the Lord. Yes, we're to love one another, but we're also to repent. Turn from your wickedness. Turn from the things that are going on in your life. Repent. The next is this, is they're constantly speaking the truth to power. Now here's what I mean by that. Is they're constantly talking to people who are in places of power truth. 
think of Pastor Casey for a moment. He's constantly always talking to me and, and others who are in place of power. He's always speaking truth into it. And I, I remember when Pastor Casey first started working with, at first I was like, I, was, I get a little frustrated with him and still I still get frustrated with him sometimes. But, but he would speak things and what he was saying was truth, Right? But sometimes I didn't feel like it was the right moment or different things, but he, what he was saying was truth, and he was constantly, in a way, kind of pushing back on some of the things, constantly pushing back on some of the power. And so at first I thought, well, that's just his personality, and so I began to adapt to that. But then as I really began studying more, I began realizing, no, that is a lot of who God has actually called him and gifted him to be. So he's constantly kind of speaking truth to those moments. And, and if you sit down and you look at the life of Pastor Casey, you can see throughout his life, he was constantly speaking truth to, to those in power. Now, if you were his Sunday school teacher, you know, in, when he was younger and stuff like that, you probably didn't like the way he spoke the truth in power. Because he would probably do it in ways that it was true what he was saying, but it wasn't the right way in how he was doing it. And see, that's why the prophet has to understand that they're a part of a body. Because if they realize they're a part of a body, then they don't abuse the gift that actually God has given them. They understand it operates in context with other gifts around them. But they constantly speak truth to, to the power. Particularly, they're really hard on false religion and hypocrisy. The next thing is this, is there's a sensitivity to spiritual warfare. They see the battle really as it is. You saw that today in the, in the moment. Pastor Casey, this is how I fight my battle, this is how I fight my battle. And then watch the moment how things came in. At the end of that, of that of we were singing that song, Pastor Casey was like, come on now, let it erupt out of you. He was like, come on, come on. Like he was calling it out of us. And some of us are sitting there and we're like, this is all you get, buddy. Right? Some of us are like, this is it. I moved it from the pockets to out at least. We're out of the pockets. We're doing good. And Pastor Casey's like, no, come on. This is how we fight our battles. Come on, you're facing things. Come on, worship. Let it. And, and you saw Pastor Casey. He's up here. He's like, woo yeah. And you may sit there going, why, why does Pastor Casey look like one of those inflatable guys? You know, those guys. That's because he's tall, but it's not just because he's tall, it's because what is coming out of him is a sensitivity to spiritual warfare. And he's saying, listen, the presence of God needs to lift over this place. And so you see that. You see that, you see that in there, and you see that, that calling and that gifting in him. Here's the next thing is, is they champion justice. They have concern for the poor, the marginalized, the downtrodden. They're constantly, the person who has a strong prophet, a, a gift set on their life, they're constantly looking for things they can champion. Them on. They're constantly calling the church, come on, we need to champion this. There's injustice that's happening here. And I'm using Pastor Casey a lot today because he has a prophet gift. On, but if you talk to him about, about sex trafficking or anything like that, you will get him so fired up. He's like, it's an injustice, it's wrong. He'll look at men and he'll say, listen, if you're looking at pornography, you're feeding into that injustice because it's supply and demand. So every time you look at that, you're supplying the demand for the things that are out there. And he'll look at you and he'll say, that is wrong and that's sin and you're gonna go to hell. I mean, like, <laughs> he's, 
I mean, he doesn't say the hell part, but I mean, in, in the back of his mind, I think he's thinking that. And uh, because why? There's this champion of justice that's inside of him. There's a call to holiness is the next. There's this call to righteousness, this idea of right relationship with God. I see it as he's talking with a lot of the young people around him. He's constantly calling them to right relationship with the Lord. They communicate with urgency. There's an urgency that's there. They, we don't have time to play around. Listen, Jesus is coming. You think about the prophet. He's constantly communicating things with urgency. Listen, point your heart. Point your attention towards the Father. Love one another. They call out idolatry. They're constantly calling it out. They call it false motives, heart, anything that's toxic. They're constantly calling out. They're like, listen, that is that it's idolatry. You're worshiping something else. If you look at Pastor Casey's Instagram feed, he literally called out idolatry this week. He put, a, he, put a, he put this image, and it's a stacked image, and the first image says, people in worship say, I can't worship. I don't lift my hands in worship. That's, that's, that was like the first thing. The next thing is, but yet they go to these things and they worship, and then he, the next picture is a picture of faster horses and everyone work, like with their hands up. And then at the end of it, it says we all worship something. No joke. He did not know I was using it. You see it in his Instagram feed. You can go and look at it. He's calling out idolatry. It's like it is a part of who he is. He can't help it. I did not think that as they were sitting there at faster horses and doing their thing, that they were like it was this idolatry. I, that just wasn't a thought that came to my mind until I saw his and I went, that is exactly what it is. That's so good. That's so good. See, when we recognize the gift mixes around us and we recognize them around, we begin to allow those things to sharpen us. We allow those things in unity to actually make us better. They call out idolatry. The next thing is, is they demonstrate community. They live out justice. They live out holiness. They live out covenant. They live out faithfulness. They're all about demonstrating community. They're all about living in community with each other. The next is this, is they develop learning through questioning. This is why a lot of times prophets have a hard time connecting in church bodies. It's because we've always kept the prophet out of the church. Oh, we're all about the shepherd, we're all about the teacher. We haven't allowed the prophet to be in because the prophet is always questioning things. Why? Because they're developing learning. They're trying to understand why do we do the things that we do? Why do we do it that way? They're developing learning through constantly questioning. And what happens many times is a pastor, a lead pastor who's in a role who has a strong teacher gift set or a strong shepherd gift mix will actually um, will look at things and, and think that the questioning is them questioning their motive. And they, t they get offended. Why would you question? Don't you know your job is to submit? And then the prophet's over here and he's saying, I only submit to the Lord. And then the pastor's saying, the Lord put me in this place, submit. And then the prophet's saying, you ain't God. You don't even look like God. In fact, you go to the buffet every weekend and you don't take care. And, and then all of a sudden it becomes this mix where instead of them being unified together, the pastor finally says to the prophet, you out of here. And so we got prophet ministry over here and prophet ministry over here, and none of them are inside of the church. There are all these rogue things that are happening out there. And I believe this, the Lord's heart is grieved because the Lord is looking at it and going, I put the prophet there 
so that he could hear from me to speak to you. Horizontally to the Lord. No, vertically to the Lord. (laughs) Vertically to the Lord. Horizontally to each other. But see, when the prophet is not allowed a voice inside of it, that's when things get a mess. So the prophet's outside of the church calling things, but the church isn't listening. Because they haven't learned to work together. The next is this. There isn't a next. (laughs) You're like, woo, wrap it up. I love what uh, Alan Hirsch, in fact, a lot of the research, a lot of things I'm sharing have have come from a lot of uh, stuff that I've read from Alan Hirsch, Um, just so you know. So don't think this is original content to me. Alan Hirsch is a lot of that. So there we go. There's the credit. But Alan Hirsch said this. He said, outside of the ecclesia, which is the church, prophetic men and women are agents of a broad cultural change. They're social justice and incarnational integrity. They are God-oriented mystics who call people to attend to the voice of God wherever and however it reveals itself. But here's, I want to I stay on this for a minute because here's the thing. What Alan says is he says outside of the ecclesia. But see, the, the thing is, is yes, the prophet many times does operate outside of it, but he has to be connected to the body. Because if he's not connected to the body... The change will never happen where it needs to happen most, inside of the body. You and I have got to grow. We have got to grow in our relationship with God. We have to grow in our relationship with each other. There is a constant part of growth that should be happening in our lives. That's why the scriptures talk about that we shouldn't just be like babies still nursing at the breast of a mother. No, we should actually be moving forward in our relationship with God. We should be getting into deeper and stronger things. There should be an understanding of what it means to follow the Lord. And we don't need, though, these extreme voices around us. We don't have to be just all about care. We don't have to be all about evangelists. We don't have to be all about, you know, the the teacher. We don't have to be all about just taking new ground and and the sentness, the apostle. And we don't have to be all just about the vertical connection with the Lord. We need each other. We are better together. So here's two extremes as I wrap up that I've seen with the prophetic voice. And so if you're someone today and you're like, I felt like Pastor Brian, you just read my mail. Okay. You probably operate in the gift of the prophet, like that, that's a gift mix that God's given you. If those things just, just were resonating in you, that's probably, that's probably the case. But let me give you the extremes of that. The extremes of the prophet is this, is there's the pacifist prophet, and that's the one who just goes and sits and waits on God. They're like, I'm just waiting for the Lord to say. I'm just waiting for him to say. I'm just waiting for him to speak. The other extreme of that is the activist prophet. That's the one who's constantly acting for God. So there's the extreme. They're, out, they're always out there. I'm just going to do it, do it, do it. Can I just challenge you? I think what God wants from the prophet is a blend of both. Waiting on God and acting. It's a blend of both. It's not the extreme. I'll just go in the prayer room and I'll spend all my days every day in the prayer room. There are people who it's like, that's where you want to go. Can I just challenge you 
to not just be the pacifist who just waits and waits and waits. I, let me challenge you to actually bring some of the acting part and bring those two together. Where yes, you'll spend time with the Lord, but yes, you'll act on his behalf. I've met too many people who have a prophetic gifting in their life who are one of the extremes. I'm challenging our church body to be in the middle, to act and to wait, to listen to the voice of the Lord. I said this earlier, prophets can be dangerous by themselves. They can cause division and volatile circumstances when not under a covering. We need to provide a safe place here at Bethany for the prophet to come under our covering. There needs to be a safe place for the prophet to feel welcomed, for them to hear from the Lord, and to be able to speak those things out. We need to provide a safe place, a covering for them. Some things you can read this that talk about the divisiveness that it can cause. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, if you read those chapters. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 through 21, you can read that later. 2 Peter 2, 1, that's another passage of scripture. 1 John 4, 1, passage of scripture that talk about the prophet when they're not under a covering. When they're not under a covering, the, the damage that can begin to happen. It talks about how we are to test all prophecy and then how we're actually to hold the false prophet to account. So listen, instead of pushing the false prophet out to where they just begin and run amok, the church, when there's a covering, we should be able to speak into that. A teacher, a person who has a strong teacher gift, should be able to speak into a prophet and say, listen, what you're saying you're hearing from the Lord is actually contrary to his word. And if it's contrary to God's word, then guess what? God is not up in heaven saying one thing to this person and saying another thing in his written word. There's a problem here. But if the prophet doesn't see themselves as a part of that covering, then what happens is is they don't allow the teacher to speak into their life. They go, whatever, I will go find a place where someone knows that the voice of the Lord is that so-and-so is supposed to marry me. I've seen those moments. Thus saith the Lord moments. And so what happens is we've seen the abuses that happens and we push those people aside. We say, oh, the prophets, they're just all wacky, crazy people. But we need the prophets. Man, I could, I could talk about this a lot, lot more today because the one thing I've been realizing is one week to talk on one of these gifts is really not enough. Like it should be like multiple weeks, but it was like, ah, here we are. And so here we are. So you're going to have to do a little bit of digging. You're going to have to do a little bit more reading into God's word because the roots of the prophet are grounded and are needed in the church body because here's what we see. When there's a strong prophetic gifting on a church, we see faithfulness begin to rise. We see holiness begin to rise. We see people's personal relationship with the Father rising around them. We see passionate love being expressed through worship. We see the omnipotency of who God is actually in play in the church body. We see a worthy adoration begin to erupt out of the church. Because the reality of it is, is each and every one of us mirror something. We mirror something. 
Some of you mirror that of an evangelist. Some of you mirror that of a prophet. Some of you mirror that of an apostolic. Some of you mirror that of a shepherd or some of a teacher. When you look at a lot of founders of, of, of incredible movements of God, like John Wesley, you would see in John Wesley's life, he had a strong apostolic calling in his life. He had a strong prophetic calling on his life. He had a strong evangelist calling on his life. The, the shepherd side of his life, eh, he, that was probably the one area he wasn't really strong. Teacher side, John Wesley, man, like strong teacher. There are some times where people have multiple, that multiple gift mixes inside of them and God's using them in those ways. But ultimately, all five of those gifts that would be present are actually shown in the life of a believer through one, and that's Jesus. See, Jesus, was he an apostle? Yes. Was Jesus a prophet? Well, of course he was. He was constantly calling people to the Lord, constantly calling, you know, to the Lord. And then, I mean, the greatest commandment when he's asked about the law, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the vertical connection. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the, the horizontal connection. I mean, was Jesus a prophet? Of course he was a prophet. Was Jesus an evangelist? Yes. I mean, we see him. He, he didn't have a home. He, he was constantly going out and proclaiming the gospel. Like he constantly going out to the hillsides, constantly going to the temple. Was he? Yes, he was an evangelist. Was Jesus a shepherd? Yes, he was a shepherd. He, he had 12 disciples around him who he was constantly caring for, constantly pouring into, constantly entrusting the gospel, constantly talking with on a daily basis. He, was he a, yes, he was a shepherd. Was he a teacher? Well, of course he was a teacher. So here's the thing I want you to realize, is if Jesus is all those things, then here's the question, and this is what I'll close with. How is your reflection? Are you mirroring Christ to others? Do people look at your life and go, oh, that person loves Jesus. Oh, that person, man, I see apostolic calling in their life. Oh, I see the prophet. I, I see an evangelist. Oh, I, I see the shepherd. I see the teacher side of it. Each and every one of us have a gift mix that I think we lean more towards, but I also think that we, in unity with each other, begin to reflect in a proper unity and unified body, begin to reflect all five of the gifts. In fact, at the end of this, I'm going to talk about that. The end of this whole series is, the kind of last one is this idea, and just kind of here's a little prelude for it, is this idea that all five of these gift mix, if found in Jesus, and Jesus living in us, we should constantly at times reflect those things. So here we go. Follower of Jesus. How does your reflection look how does your reflection look okay prophet you're like that's me that's me all right how does your reflection look are you recognizing the other gifts around you are you recognizing what's happening are you recognizing you're a part of a body or are you just like, I'm the prophet? That's, no, 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 no. We, we are a body that works together. How does your reflection look? 
If you could bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Father, across this room are followers of Jesus. And God, maybe even today there may be some present that maybe don't have a relationship with you. And I just pray, God, that in a moment like this, that they would just simply surrender their heart and their life to you. And they would say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Change me. Change my life. And from this day forward, God, that they would not be the same. And God, I speak to the followers of Jesus, to each and every follower. And I ask that right now, God, you would speak to their hearts and their lives. Challenge them with the reflection of their life. Father, I pray that if there are things in our life that when we look at the reflection, we would realize those are not things from you. I pray, God, that today we would surrender those things in this moment right now. So come on all across this room, followers of Jesus. When you look at your life right now and you look at the things that you're reflecting, what are the things that you know are not of the Lord? Come on, prophet. What are the moments where you've allowed frustration because the voice of God wasn't being heard to others around you and you've allowed yourself to become divisive and actually pull yourself out of the body rather than integrating into the body? Come on, how's your reflection? How's your reflection? What does it look like? What are you reflecting to the church or the, the, the community around you? What does your reflection look like? So Father, I pray across this room that you would turn the mirror around and show us what we're reflecting. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to us now. Show us those areas. Show us those reflections. God, I thank you for all that you're doing, all that you're showing us, all that you're speaking to us. And I pray, God, that this church body, as we allow the different gifts that you've given us to be in operation in this church. I pray, God, that there will be unity and that we will realize that we truly, truly are better together. God, even this week, as we go out and make an impact on our community and we do random acts of kindness, of showing your love in practical ways at the fair and other places around our community, I pray that our reflection will be that of showing your love to other people we encounter. In Jesus' name.